0: Cults over here.
1: Colts over there. There are cults? Everywhere. everywhere. And we're gonna tell you all about it with a fairy tale <laughs> twist. Welcome to Once, Once Upon, upon a, a Cult. Once upon a time there was a magic man, and he made a monster, and he sent the monster out to kill people. And it really isn't a happy story at all, it's really quite disturbing. <laughs>
2: Yes, it is. Tell us more. (laughs) Hi, I'm Sean.
0: I'm Rachel.
2: And I'm Alan.
1: And today we are talking about, help me out here, Rachel, Palo Mayombe.
0: (laughs) Oh, I say palo. Palo. Uh,
1: Palo. Palo Mayombe. Palo Mayombe. We did want to make sure everybody understands. We're not saying the whole practice is bad, but we're going to focus first on the practice. And then we're going to talk about Adolfo Constanzo, who was a practitioner. And some people say he kind of mixed a few things together, not just this one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a mixable religion. Even the creation of this came from a mix of different practices together. So it's not totally unusual. But yeah. how fun is brujería, everyone? Like, Yay! I'm into it. I'm into it being like a very, like mainstream thing <laughs> in Latin American cultures. <laughs> it's just kind of fun. I don't know. I feel like we don't like witches here as much, but there's a lot of it going on apparently.
1: Yeah, we have to find like odd little shops in the middle of. Um... Uh, what is it called? Where do we go? Folsom. <laughs> <laughs> Some Folsom. <a> witchy stuff.
0: Or <laughs> you can like fly to Salem, and then there's one on every corner.
1: Or you could go to uh, New, Orleans.
0: New Orleans. New Orleans, yes. Yeah. Oh, so excited to hear about that.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Palo Mayombe. Shall we tell you about this religion?
1: Let's start. And I heard it's also called, wait, how do you say it? Pa- Palo? Palo.
0: So the religion itself is just Palo. Palo. Palo itself covers a handful of re- like different yes. types of the religion. So in general, it has different denominations that fall under it. It is a religion that was developed in Cuba, specifically within the communities that were formed by enslaved Africans from the Congo region and amidst their descendants. So it is basically the traditional Congo religion that kind of just on its own is spelled Congo with a K. And um, this version that became Palo came about because the slaves were taken over there for the sugar tobacco and coffee trade and a lot of the people in power tried to force Roman Catholicism on them which made sense because it was a Spanish run place and that was their main religion of practice and so there became to be a combination of traditional Congo with Roman Catholicism and Spiritism, which came out in the form of Palo. Yay! Woohoo! Within this, the belief system has two main pillars, which is there's the veneration of the spirits, and then there is the belief in natural and earth powers. So all natural objects that you encounter, but Particularly sticks <laughs> that's my favorite note. <laughs> yeah. Everything natural, but really into sticks. we like some sticks um they're thought to be infused with powers, and one thing that I found really kind of fun about that is I think that's something that you can see pervade a lot of not like a lot of kind of the fantasy aspects of where we see wizardry, sorcery, witchcraft like. Wands. Wands are there all the time. Uh, you'll have wizards with their staffs. So it's so intriguing to me the way, like, this thing that's a very real part of this religion is also kind of echoed in the different kind of, um, magic that you see within fantasy lore that survives to this day. Eat that Nutella with that stick.
1: With your stick, yeah. Mm. Mm, this is my wand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's not your wand. Your wand is way bigger. <laughs>
2: <Wow>. <laughs> is it an interactive wand? Uh, it yeah, will be. It is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing it's that kind of show. Um, <laughs> But anyways, these sticks are thought to be infused with powers and are often linked to the powers of spirits. Um, the palo-religion is henotheistic, which means that it has a single supreme god, but they don't deny the existence of other deities. So um, there's multiple gods going on, but there is one god who is above all others, the same supreme creator known as Zombie or zombie, And I apologize in advance. My pronunciation is going to be hideous throughout many parts of this episode. And I even like looked at the pronunciation and tried to write them phonetically. And I just, they're interesting words. I respect, I'm not trying to be funny about the pronunciation, but just so everyone knows.
1: (laughs) One thing I thought was funny too about uh, zombie is it basically said like they don't care about human affairs they just created everything and they're like i'm out have fun i don't care (laughs) i thought that was very different from like our western gods
0: yeah definitely a very different approach um (laughs) and so you have this zombie or zombie who is the supreme creator but then he also has spirits that exist that are also these kind of powerful spirit God, but lesser gods. And they're known in plural as the Kim Pangulu, (laughs) Kim Pangulu. Um, And uh, a lot of times these are the kind of entities that they are interacting with, usually through tools known as Nikisi, which are just items that the spirits inhabit and that they interact with. Um, I do think what's really interesting is like, we're talking this religion, this um, first Congo, that religion, we have our first kind of notation of that being documented was 16th century when Portuguese visitors went to Africa and they're like, hey, there's this God named Nzambi. Um, And so, This isn't even, even though stuff happened where this combination of the different religions um, is kind of new, like it's based on a religion that goes back so, so far, because that's only the first evidence of it being recorded. And in Africa, you didn't have a lot of recorded history prior to um, the colonizers coming in. So it makes sense that this has been around a long time. So... One thing I found interesting is in the general Palo religion, the Naganga was actually the spiritual healer and the person that was practicing and sh- like kind of being the teacher that everyone into. But then in our Palo Mayomba that we're looking at, the Naganga became the cauldron specifically, and it was kind of a form of an akisi because it was an object which was inhabited by spirits that magic was done through that had to be honored and have um, kind of sacrifices made to, of course, starting with very normal sacrifices, uh, like, you know, a chicken, very normal. Uh, So that's kind of where we're starting to focus on our specific branch, which is Palo Mayam which is one of like three, mm-hmm. um, or four. It, it depends on where you go. There's a lot of contrasting information out there. <laughs> um, but so in ours, the Nganga is the cast iron cauldron. It comes alive, uh, A lot of pictures of it, you see an iron cauldron with sticks or bones coming out of it. The dead reside there, um, as well as the mapangu, who is that singular spirit and is the guide of all religious activities that take place with this um, nganga. And it's usually kept in a shed, a special Mm -hmm. shed made just for this nganga. Remember that, that might come up. (laughs) Later.
1: There's a test. (laughs)
0: Um so the religions they also they are they practice a lot of divination, um, particularly doing scrying. There's no central authority figure, but there are different kind of houses, what they call munansus, munansos. They're the temple homes, so they're like a sect or a chapter of practicers, and they're led by an experienced elder priest or priestess. Typically, you have to go through initiation to become a part of the group. With that, sometimes they have you go through a seance beforehand to cleanse yourself of bad spirits. Uh, Some of them, you have to kind of recite these tenets where you are kind of stating aloud, I believe this. I believe this, I believe this, um, to be a part of it. But a lot of times people don't go through their initiation until they've come to the religion for a certain reason, usually to deal with illness and get good luck to help ward off illness. Um, and at that point you become a part of the group, but not just the living group. You're now connected to the spirits, to the dead who have come before you and kind of Now tapped in to their luck. Um, What I found really interesting is overall within brujeria, a lot, there's a lot of parallels between kind of what you would expect, what you hear about in witchcraft and practices within like what you would think of as a Christian based religion. So with them, they have prayers, but their prayers are spells um, they also have, uh, often if they, uh, worship a goddess, it's very often depicted much like the Virgin Mary is depicted within Catholicism. Uh, things like Dia de los Muertos is a big practice when, within brujeria. Um, but then that kind of became All Saints Day within, uh, the Christian religions or specifically more the Catholic one, cause they're the ones that really practice Saints, um, and so it really is truly a mix of the indigenous or enslaved culture with that of the religion that was brought in by colonizers. Hmm. So that's some history of Palo, and I was really entertained. I had no idea that Santeria, Santeria was a religion. It's also came out of Cuba also created (laughs) from the religion of the enslaved um, people with a mixing of things like Catholicism in there. But Santeria is a little bit more recognizable through some pop culture things like the popular song by Sublime, (laughs) where they're actually (laughs) singing about practicing Santeria, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which I never really noticed before. (laughs) Because he, he don't, He don't practice Santeria. Santeria, he ain't got no crystal ball. (laughs) Wow. He had a million dollars, but he spent it all. (laughs) So
1: (laughs) So, some things that I also found to add to what you talked about, Rachel, is I found, too, that Palo and Santeria are actually in some ways very intertwined. Mm -hmm. Some of the beliefs believe that you have to be uh, Palo before you can be Santeria. Ooh. And I know that the
0: person of interest in particular, he had some Santeria.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And he did not have a million dollars and he did not spend it all.
0: I mean, he might have through his lifetime. He had some good connections.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And I found a lot about kind of the uh, process of finding your spirit for the N'Gaga, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. So a lot of these groups would use, like you said, bones, and I guess uh, palo means sticks, so it was like bones mm-hmm. and sticks and other things, but um, a lot of them would get in trouble for grave robbing, so it wasn't mm-hmm. like you go out and kill somebody and use those bones, you grave rob and use them, so that was, that rubbed some people the wrong way.
0: Kind <laughs> have a very odd fellow of them.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> And then um, I guess the spirits are sometimes – they can be used for good or for bad deeds, depending on how you treat it. So if you want it to do good deeds, you baptize it, and then it's called a Christiana or Christian. Ooh. And if you want it to do bad deeds, you don't baptize it. And I'm really angry at this because these people get enough crap as it is. If you don't baptize it, it's Judea or Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, and because it's meant judo in the fact that it is, the Jewish people refuse to accept Christ Mm -hmm. as like the son of God. So what it really is saying is that this is the, this, on this side of things, it is not the work it doesn't have that overlapping with a Christian God. It is mm-hmm. not of God. Um, so it wasn't really met in the huh, Jewishness. It's meant in the, The ideology that it's not accepting uh, Christianity.
2: (laughs)
1: Yeah. I figured it wasn't like a slap in the face to our (laughs) Jews.
0: But definitely interesting naming convention, (laughs) to say the least.
1: (laughs) So um, I read to you that if you're not able to get a bone from your target, you can also use dirt from their grave. It's just not as powerful. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting. Like, they don't just go out and, like, get a bone. Like, you can't just enslave any spirit. You have to go and, like you said, divine over their remains. And you have to, like, talk to the spirit and get permission to enslave the spirit. It's got to be, like, a <laughs> symbiotic relationship. Like, you can be free, but I need you to do stuff for me. I need you to run my errands. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's
0: like a relationship working together. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. all... Let you have some freedom, and you'll give me some good juju. It'll be great.
1: Exactly.
0: Mutually beneficial.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I found that uh, within the religion, males are paleros, and females are paleras.
0: Paleras. <laughs> it's like it's a Spanish word <laughs>
1: with multiple,
0: <laughs> with, with the different uh connotations it. <laughs> given it is
1: almost like that Almost. Like that. what <laughs> so I I had this interesting conversation a few years ago because I met a guy online who lived in South Africa and I asked him like I've heard that voodoo is not seen as this like evil thing where you are in Africa like can you tell me more about that he said yeah it's just another religion it's just like Wicca to you people in America <laughs> so I thought that was interesting and eye-opening and uh I saw a documentary about Voodoo not too long ago where, I don't, it was that one, he like goes around to dark places, dark, dark explorer, dark traveler, dark traveler, I think it was on Netflix. Dark
0: traveler.
1: He goes to different, or dark tourist. he goes to different areas and he looks into things that we see as dark. Like he goes to the forest in, I think, Japan where a lot of people commit suicide And he went to a voodoo village and he witnessed like them killing a chicken and things like that. And they had a really interesting way of looking at killing the chicken. I'm not going to say I agree or disagree, but I just was like, huh. She was like, you know, in America, you put these animals through factories and you eat them. Like I'm doing the same thing. I'm just doing it more humane. I'm making it worth something for my magic and then we're going to eat it. So that right there I was kind of like, huh, she makes an interesting point.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why not use the animal for magic first?
2: Yeah, I use it I for magic it and then eat it. Yeah. I mean, there's even, like, some cultures, too. I think, like, Native Americans, they would, like, thank the animal before they would, you know, mm-hmm. kill it um before they eat it. So, yeah, it's just, like you said, it's how you, how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, cool, I think that sets
1: up – um Halo pretty nicely. Should we get into the Adolf Constanzo version of this religion? Adolfo? Adolfo. <laughs> Adolfo. Did I say Adolf? Adolf? <laughs> yes, you <did. laughs> now you know how I feel about
0: it. We want to talk about Adolfo. <laughs> <laughs> Do
1: you want to get us started, Alan?
2: Yeah, so... Um, I guess just from the beginning with Adolfo and kind of his upbringing. So he was born in Miami um, with his mother who was, who practiced uh, Santeria. She was, that's kind of how he got introduced into a lot of this. And she kind of brought him along to a lot of her, like, um, to, I think, Haiti, where she learned a lot of um, where she was from from Santeria. Yeah, the voodoo as well. Hoodoo. Um, so he was you already <laughs> he was already kind of like surrounded in this. Like it was almost like all he knew. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he was practicing this throughout. So I think he moved in different places to like Puerto Rico, um, but he met or he came across Paulo um, as a teenager, um, where he. Actually, there was, I came across how he got kind of initiated in it. He he did the whole, I guess you have to like cut yourself um, in his own nganga, um and mixed it with 21 sticks from 21 trees.
0: It's a lot of uh, sticks.
2: Yeah, and a lot, a lot of, of trees cheese. too. <laughs> 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 yeah, but um, basically after he was, um, you know, kind of, Uh, I guess, like, in it, or... um, Initiated. Initiated. There you go. Thank you. Um, He rose kind of to prominence pretty quick. Um, He, especially in Mexico, he found success in there because, first off, a lot of Mexicans are... this Mexico, around the time, was very superstitious. So, you know, a lot of this, they were very into it. And especially like politicians, drug lords, they were very, you know, they wanted their business to be successful. Um, And that's kind of how he met the Hernandez um, organization, which was previously a pretty well-off drug organization that dealt with marijuana. Um, But after their father died, and I believe in in the 1970s, Um, It was kind of like Game of Thrones where, like, there's just kind of an internal war between the the family itself. Like, I believe the uncle and then the son just, you know, started a fight internally. And um, they were, it it just didn't do well for their business. So they went to Paolo, or not, to Adolfo, asking for his guidance. And basically, once they started working with him, their business started doing well. Mm -hmm.
0: What I love love is that, so he started with them doing these spells for good luck. And he started sacrificing chickens. And then he was like, well, if this chicken gave us good power, what if we did a goat? (laughs) And then the business is booming. Things are getting better. He's like, well, I mean, what if we try snakes? Those are pretty powerful creatures. And I guess it kind of went through from like snakes to zebras to eventually lion cubs that they were wow. using for these sacrifices and one of the reason the drug dealers really appreciated him is because they he would put on a display when he would do these sacrifices very violent display of sacrificing these beasts for them and they loved it they ate up that performance that drama Really. They were into it. Um, and it was showing up like they were flourishing and the money was just rolling in. Um, but you know, animals can only get you so far. Um, and that's kind of what I saw was like after the animals was when he went to the grave robbing aspect of it, but that obviously is boring <laughs> you don't get the drama <laughs> from that uh so then there was a point where he started thinking beyond the previously dead To like oh how about how, how hear me out how about live human sacrifices maybe
1: so yeah. i'm wondering at this point do you think there's anything to these sacrifices or do you think this is just like he's just a good businessman and he's just making things happen and making it look like hey i'm killing things look we're doing better because magic
2: well he was a lot of people described him as being very charismatic as well too Mm -hmm. um he even in mexico he was a model um so obviously he was good looking um, so was I'm he,
1: sure with that hair. I,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Maybe>. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like similar to a lot of cults. You kind of just believe what, mm-hmm. you know, the, the leader does. So I'm sure there was yeah. some of that aspect too. Yeah. yeah.
0: And overall there's the whole idea of manifestation and like where you put the energy is where, good things come. And if you're thinking in a place of an, of abundance, it's more likely to come. And so like, you can do that without sacrifices. You can set intentions. You can like do meditation where you're calling in and you're not saying I want to be rich. You're like imagining I am wealthy. Money is just showing up for me. And there is a lot of people that believe that law of attraction means these things come and a huge aspect of it coming is that positive outlook, like that when you're thinking that way, you are also behaving in ways that bring those positive things to you. So you have to imagine that these people that are having him do these things for him, they're investing money. They are seeing him do these fantastical sacrifices. They fully believe it. They're very superstitious. They believe it. So there is an element of that, like, the belief that is going along with those creates a good situation for mm-hmm. things to be going mm-hmm. well.
1: Interesting. And one thing to your Rachel, that you talked about is he's getting more and more into the killing aspect, which I found, and this was something I'd heard of is kind of a problem right now in Mexico because it's growing is it starts to get more into Santa Muerte, which oh. is kind of more of a uh, praying to the St. Death and Saint like, death. I don't know how to say it in English. Santa Muerte is Saint Death.
0: It's Saint Death.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Santa and like making sacrifices to death. So that's where people said that it started getting more into that than what we know of Palo, because in Paulo mm-hmm. you don't typically murder things.
0: Yeah, and that's where the fact that there's no central organization to this belief, and it really is practiced by these individual sects that kind of do what they want with it. And they practice what seems to work for them and what feels good. Um, And then they also bring in other elements of other religions that they uh, practice. Um, That's like, it's not all the religion. It really comes down to the specific sects and how they are practicing it.
1: Mm -hmm. And this is, I think, a good point to Use one of Rachel's good practices and tell our wonderful culties that there's some trigger stuff coming up here because we're going to be talking about death, rape, mm. um, Sodom,
0: <laughs> <laughs> a lot, pretty of- much. All the bad
1: things that you can imagine are going to happen. So just a fair warning, if you keep listening, it gets pretty dark from here on out, which is why I kept our once upon a time pretty light, because it felt weird making a mockery (laughs) of how dark this gets.
0: Yes. So one thing that I found interesting is that as he got into the live human sacrifices, he was actually looking for certain things from the people that were sacrificed to accentuate the power of the Nganga. So he's like, if they wanted like more strength behind the work that they were doing, they would kill a muscle man and take his muscles. And that would be the part that they feed to the Nganga. Um, If they wanted better like vision into what was happening being able to divine better they would take the eyes mm-hmm. of the person so they were choosing people based on what they wanted this Ninganga to have be a part of it and so they weren't even using like all of the person they would kill this person just for a specific aspect of them to feed to the Ninganga.
1: Mm -hmm. I haven't heard aspects talked about, like, if you want your spirit to fly, you kill a bird and you put its wings into the Nganga. So even more animal traits, too, were being used.
0: Yes, definitely. Mm
1: -hmm. So uh, from here on out, I have a lot of information on Mark, but I know there are other victims. Did either of you get anything on the other ones?
0: I was having a trouble. I know I found that there were more than 20 victims yeah. um that were murdered but they don't give you like any information which mm-hmm. is also just like I mean like come on news outlets we cover the one american and we ignore all these other people <laughs> yeah. that were murdered awesome yeah. um and who knows if it would be different now with more information being available and with this being something that happened um, a little bit further back um, in time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I wasn't finding a lot of information. I, I found the part where they'd said they chose people based on their aspects. Uh, but I didn't, couldn't find a lot of digging into who those victims were. Mm-hmm. I know that there came a point where he decided that he needed to make the Nganga smarter. It needed to be more intelligent. And so at this point, he turned from the people that they were just taking off the streets of Mexico. Um, They were were in a city that was rather close to the border to...
1: Matamoros. America. Matamoros.
0: Matamoros. And so he decided that what they needed was the brain from an American student. So didn't, I think they worded it, like he worded it to the people, like, I need you to bring me a gringo. Yeah. Back from America <laughs> sort yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is when everyone kind of went on the hunt for that. And I heard that before they got Mark, there was first a part where Sarah who we should probably talk a little bit more was kind of trying to see who could possibly fit that and was trying to arrange bringing someone over to be that sacrifice. But that's not the only role she did. Um, so her name was Sarah Aldrete. Uh, she was an honor student and cheerleader at Texas Southmost college, uh, By all accounts, she was beautiful. She was very charismatic and uh, very involved in school. Um, But I guess by night, she became very involved with Adolfo. He appointed her his high priestess and um, called her La Madrina. And part of her job was to assist in the drug trafficking across the border Um, because she went to school there, but also was able to easily kind of cross the border. Uh, She would naturally assist with the drug trafficking, but then she also became a recruiter looking for people originally just to join the religion, to be people that would assist in the drug trade, but then later was trying to find a good sacrifice for their brain.
1: And I think I saw in the video that you found, Alan, did it talk about the other people who weren't Mark? I didn't watch the whole thing.
2: Yeah, it didn't say. I mean, it, they did mention, you know, that she did like Lauren. Uh, some Americans, I believe, as well, too. But, like, the story about, like, the the muscle guy who they used him for for strength. Um, but, yeah, I mean, she, uh, when kind of news of this came out, like, a lot of her classmates in college, like, they were just like, shh they would have never expected it. Like she was like, even though she lived in Mexico and commuted to college in the U S they were, she, she just seemed like a, you know, a very typical American, you know, person, like very, like she was a cheerleader, very athletic, um, six foot one. Yeah. She she was was tall. Wow. Yeah. So, um, but it got to a point too, where she kind of fell in love with, um, Adolfo as well, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Though she,
0: it sounds like she originally was with one of the actual drug traffickers, mm -hmm. like, in a relationship as well. It's kind of hazy on the details of who was with who at what point.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So to get more into Mark then, so this happened on March 14th, 1989. Like Rachel said, he went to uh, Matamoros from Austin to just party with friends, and if you want to see a really bad retelling of this, <laughs> you can. You can a, do it. Writer uh, Strong uh, in the movie Borderland from 2007. I stayed up till 1:30 in the morning watching it <laughs> in my research and got nothing from it.
0: The dedication.
1: Yeah, it's but you, not but you did
0: get to watch Ryder Strong for.
1: I did. A People used bit. to say I looked like him.
0: <laughs> you had the same name. Yeah. <laughs> he was Sean. Boy he was twirl. Sean.
1: <laughs> so uh, Mark went to the restroom, it said, and uh, he never came back. So his friends waited for him from across the border, but he never showed up. And the search for Mark went on for about 30 days with no leads until I find this very random. I'm going to give mm-hmm. my thoughts on this, but I find it very random. So a car ran through the border and just kept driving. So the cops are chasing it and they go to a ranch where they find um they find this whole, like Rachel said, like drug thing going on, this whole cartel, all this stuff. So they basically arrest everybody. And one of the men in the police station sees a picture of Mark and they're like, Oh, I know that guy. He was just at the ranch. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, well,
0: yeah. And the guy that said that, I guess, was the caretaker yeah. of the ranch. Yeah. So he wasn't as involved with the actual trade, it was more like his land that he was looking after was being used for this stuff. And he had seen this boy in the back of a truck tied up, and he had no idea why this person was uh, tied up in the back of the truck. But you don't question it because you're working under a cartel. Um, mm-hmm. But he did, like, take water or something to yeah, the guy. Yeah,
1: or, like, or eggs or something. Yeah. Yeah, I was giving water to Mark. And then my favorite part was when the police go back with his name is Serafine Hernandez.
0: Oh Serafine. <laughs> oh I love Seraphine. <laughs> He has no idea, like none of this is registering to him as unusual, as something he shouldn't be sharing, as anything (laughs) that he should feel any concerns over having taken part in. And he's just like, yeah, let's have a casual conversation about the people being murdered so that we can drink from something and gain their powers and like what?
1: Well, I almost sure. wonder if he was under the belief that the Anganga is going to protect yeah. us. Because one of the spells was to like. protect them from the police. Mm-hmm. But they, they took Seraphine to the ranch, and he showed them where Mark was buried. They exhumed Mark's body. And then Seraphine, like Rachel said, casually... I don't know why you're worried about him. There's 12 other bodies here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And what I I do love, like if you go and watch the deadly cults episode, that's about this. They actually, it's not all just reenactments. They have like some actual footage of the interviews and just his nonchalance. (laughs) It is just out of this world. I don't, Understand.
1: (laughs) So one thing that they didn't talk about in Dark Cults that I found, I don't know if this is, or Deadly Cults. I don't know. I'm still on that dark thing on Netflix. Dark Tourist. (laughs) Dark Tourist. So I wasn't able to see if this is legit. It looked pretty legit from where I was reading it. But it said that Mark was not only tortured, but he was also sodomized for hours by these men on the ranch before they actually did kill him and the way they killed him is um Machete. Adolfo and his men went into the shack that Rachel alluded to earlier and they would not let Sarah in or Sarah because I guess it was She's a woman that, woman, woman. Yeah. and it said I guess in some of the beliefs that like menstruation, could like derail the spirit or like make it hungry for blood.
0: I mean, it would confuse them. Like you're trying to give them a certain blood and here's this sexy lady over here just bleeding willy-nilly. I I totally understand how that can be very distracting to a spirit. You would have
1: been very tasty to a spirit this past weekend, Rachel. Right <laughs> <Well>, thank
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everyone. I was menstruating. <laughs> Exciting times in my life. Once a month. It's great.
2: <laughs>
1: so, yeah. So, I guess Adolfo um, hit Mark over the head with the machete. And I think it was Seraphine, actually. I think he was outside. Sound. And he said it sounded like a coconut. a coconut. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the machete was dull. So, another man had to take it and continue to um, mm-hmm. hit Mark until they were able to remove his brain. And they boiled it in the pot. Or in the in gonga. And then they put a wire through his spinal column and amputated his legs at the knees and then buried him. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Religion. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Makes this all seem fine. This is what our leader tells us we have to do. Mm
1: -hmm. This makes sense. They were making money. They didn't care.
0: (sighs) They were making lots of money. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then our friend Seraphine then told the police, "Hey, if you want to find Adolfo and Sarah, they're at the Holiday Inn in Brownsville." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, when you open this guy up, yeah. like he just he goes for it. Like whatever yeah. info you need, I'm I'm good.
0: Yeah, well, and I guess there's just such an interesting culture thing happening as well. Like Seraphine, like Sarah was coming over to America for school. And so like he would do school over in the college in America, um, and was by all accounts, like a shy, quiet guy, very studious, good student. Um, but then in his off time, he would also, anytime he came across the border, be helping to run drugs and working for this drug cartel. And honestly, a big part of that is like, that was kind of a big part of that culture of that area is like, if you weren't involved with the cartels, you were in fear of the cartels. Um, like they're just, it was so prevalent, um, especially at this time. And at that specific kind of place where the border was, where um, what's it called? Uh, Brownsville met Metamoros.
1: Hmm.
0: But yeah, he was also similar to Sarah, where he was coming here for school, Mm
1: -hmm. taking drugs back and forth. How do you hide something like that? Like, especially Sarah, like everybody said they had no idea that she was this crazy witch person by night.
0: Yeah, so much so that I read a thing that said that the police suspected maybe she had disassociative, like the identity disorder of like split personalities, but like. I I don't know. I feel like there's also an aspect to where this is a strongly held belief that she had. And part of being able to practice this belief was also having to be someone highly functional in society that's helping and bringing in things. So it's like, it doesn't have to be at odds, like, especially if she is very aware of her role, which is being someone that helps the drug trade get across the border being someone that's recruiting other people that are able to kind of maintain that both sides thing. I don't know.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Should we get into how uh, they were brought down? Yeah. (laughs) I love this. This is so great. By the way, I think it's funny that when we were talking about this before, we're like, why is there not a movie about this? And there is, and it's awful. But Um, So when the police went to the Holiday Inn, uh, Sarah and Adolfo had already gone. So the police had no idea where they were. They, They didn't know how to find them. There was no trail whatsoever. So a cult and magics expert had an idea. Hey, guys, let's fuck with the Nganga. (laughs) If he sees that on TV, he's going to get so mad.
0: (laughs) Don't touch my Nganga. Don't touch my Nganga. (laughs) I put lots of good sticks in it.
1: So this man is a brujo, or witch, and he poured out the fluid um, (laughs) on film. And then from there, he poured gasoline everywhere around the cauldron not only that, as a I love this part the most as like a major fuck you to Adolfo, he took a picture of Adolfo and burned it <laughs> in the cauldron <laughs> right.
0: I mean, and I'm then, feeling insulted for him,
1: <laughs> yeah. So it turns out uh, Adolfo was at this time with Sara in Mexico City. And at the same time, this is this is where it gets crazy to me. At the same time this is happening, and mind you, this Nganga is supposed to be protecting them from the police and making them invisible to the law. So as it's burning, Sara is on her way to the store. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody suddenly is like, hey. That's that witch bitch. <laughs> witch bitch. So they call the police and they follow Sarah back to Adolfo, which at this point, as they're following Sarah, Adolfo's losing his shit. He's going crazy. He's burning money. He's like, I'm losing my magic. This is insanity. What the fuck is going on? So um, they apprehended Sarah... And then as the police were closing in, there's actually some, Rachel found some different uh, theories here. If you want to share those with us about what actually happened to Adolfo.
0: Oh, the theories? I didn't have the theories about what happened to him. Or
2: was it Alan? Oh, yeah. So there's two stories. Um, so I guess the first one was like there was a shootout uh, with the the local police. And Adolfo in his in their, I guess, the hotel or apartment where they're staying at. Um, And some say that the police actually were able to kill him, like they were able to go inside and and shoot him. Um, But there's another story where Adolfo, with his boyfriend, by the way, um, (laughs) asked one of their hitmen to basically shoot them um, uh, to assist in their suicide. Um, So some people say that the reason why, or the police it's likely that the police had killed him and used that story of his hitman killing him as a cover up because the police didn't want any stories cuz he was he knew a lot of people high up there so they mm-hmm. they didn't want any of what he knew to to get released out there so there's two kind of stories out there um you believe what you want but yeah
0: it is a mystery yeah. a modern day mystery <laughs>
1: yeah, and so you found that by this point, Adolfo had a boyfriend. Was that just the one source, or do we know that's true?
2: So that one came from the the other video um that I saw the occult crimes video. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's where I found that one. Yeah. but there is I mean, pictures with that hair, of, yeah. I mean, there is a picture <laughs> of him shot with his boyfriend next to him, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, and I almost feel like sometimes when you are in interesting, kind of witchy spiritually things, like you get those people that are kind of a little bit more open and fluid and it's like, love is love.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you don't care so much.
0: Yes. Though it is interesting that this is all also like highly affected by Catholicism. So I feel like just the combination of those two <laughs> was <laughs> very interesting. Uh, they both they both like cannibalism.
1: <laughs> Are you talking about the what's it called? The <laughs>
0: eating of the
1: Holy Spirit, yeah.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> if if you haven't seen the sketch that Eddie Azard does about Catholicism and it's like after Jesus has come back and God's like oh tell me what you've been doing like what did you teach them and he's like well I, uh, you see I got everyone together and I gave them bread and I told them eat this bread, it is my body and God's like Wait, what? 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 <laughs> <laughs> cannibalism? You taught them cannibalism. He's like, oh, it was fine. Everyone had a great time, and then and then they had some wine. And So I passed around the wine, and I said, "Drink this wine. It's my blood." And then God's like, vampirism, vampirism. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I I always think about that. I'm formerly Catholic, so <laughs> it, it has a special place in my heart. Special place, and I really like. I like the Eucharist and the wine. It's a good time.
2: That's my favorite part of mass. It's the
0: best part of mass. (laughs) (laughs) Aside from the singing together, that's good too.
1: (laughs) Speaking of singing, should we go through our cults? What do we call them? Our uh, like tenants or pillars? Tenants. That's the yeah tenants. So this is
0: a charismatic leader.
1: (laughs) So we'll talk about the um, Adolfo sect of this religion. Again, we are not talking about the whole religion itself. So charismatic leader. Yeah. Yeah. Alienation.
0: Um, they were very secretive about Mm -hmm. their practices. Um, like I think that's another reason why. Finding information on Palo can be challenging at times because it is such a secretive uh, religion. Because of how it came to be, as well, because like the enslaved people were having to hide it that they were practicing this. Um, so I I feel like there was some alienation going on for sure. There's definitely power structures at play and encouraging people to like follow very different ideas from the norm.
1: <laughs> yeah. How about belief system? Yes.
0: <laughs> there's some beliefs going on. Yeah.
1: There's some beliefs um, outside evil.
0: I mean, yeah, I think that's a big po- uh, part of why they're connecting with these spirits and praying for luck is to kind of protect against the outside world and um to give their people a better go of things Mm -hmm. like without this good luck, how will you do well out in the world Mm -hmm. sort of situation
1: and sense of community.
0: Oh yeah. We all get together. (laughs) We, we go through an initiation where we cut ourselves. Mm -hmm. We, uh, we cut up, Animals and people together.
2: Oh, and did you guys know that they did this all nude too? Oh yeah, I was just it yeah. just got even
0: better. You have to. It has to be a community if you're getting naked together.
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah, I don't think there's any actual reason for that one. I think he just liked yeah. to see other naked men. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> who
1: wouldn't? <laughs> So yeah, this one seems pretty culty. I am yes. a little more fascinated by uh, Apollo now. I would love to look into that more, but it's also scary. Some of that yeah. magic stuff can get scary.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like it's really, it really, I think it depends on intentions. I think there's tons yeah. of ways to practice this without taking it to a dark place. I think, like if you can pretty much safely stick to either just dealing with your your sticks or lower animals like a chicken and still be okay. I think it's when you start like moving up towards lion cubs and people that it starts mm-hmm. to get a little bit of uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah definitely whereas I feel like Palo itself is a religion, not a cult, I do think this particular sect um, and it's like not even like Palo Mayombe overall, this sect of Palo Mayombe, which is just some practitioners that got together, is a definite cult situation.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, cool. Well, thank you for exploring that one with me, that one. Again, I I, heard, I saw the episode on Deadly Cults and immediately at Universal Studios, like, Rachel, I must tell you about this thing.
0: <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, I've heard about that murder case on one of my murder things. That I <laughs> I watched lots of murder things. I heard of that. <laughs> and I just don't think I ever thought of the fact that, oh yeah, that was a cult.
1: <laughs> yeah, Yeah, it was.
0: <laughs> totally was. Yeah.
1: So cool. In two weeks we're actually talking about Aleph. We We chose some very interesting ones this season. I'm excited for all of these actually. Like they're all ridiculous in their own ways. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking about one of these at work yesterday. Uh, oh. Flat earthers, which we're oh. going to explore later <laughs> in the season.
0: Oh, those flat earthers.
1: <laughs> Somebody said that they know someone personally who's a flat earther. And there's like, there's nothing worse than getting into a conversation <laughs> with a flat earther. <laughs> <laughs> well, because
0: if they believe that, they're going to be on all the conspiracy things. Like, Yeah. There's just so many things, little things that you experience in life where it's like, no, you don't understand. We wouldn't have gravity if it weren't for this being a sphere that we're on. You would be able to see forever. There wouldn't be a horizon Yeah. (laughs) if it were not for the roundness of the earth. Yeah, just fun times.
1: But cool. So that's all for this episode. Where can the people find you, my dear?
0: They can find me on a real bodice ripper <laughs> yeah, <a laughs> podcast about romance novels and how wonderful and yet inappropriate they can be at times. Come rip up those with my me and my colleague, Jesse. It's a good time. We talk about it a is. lot of sex. It's really good. Awesome. And we're funny. Kind of. Uh. they Jessie is a lot funnier than I am, but I show up and I repeat the things she says with exuberance. <laughs> so it works out.
2: <laughs> How about you, Alan? Where can I find you, my dear? Yeah, hey, you can find me and Sean on uh, marvelous galaxy at Disney, where we, we don't talk about sex.
0: No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: It's a family friendly podcast where we talk about everything under Disney, uh, Disney parks, uh, Marvel, Star Wars, all of that good stuff.
1: Woof. Yeah, and actually, the week of Valentine's Day, you can catch Kevin and me on Hanging with the Hollowells. We're starting season eight of the original Charm series. Woof. The one that everybody seems to hate the most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'll get to make my own opinion. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And you could also find uh, our Patreon through our instagram or you can go to patreon.com forward slash once upon a cult where we just added the hellfire club
0: yes come learn about this very real secret society that inspired and
1: you can hear what sean sounds like when he's like Four days into COVID.
0: <laughs> Yay. <Yeah. laughs> Yay. We do love a discombobulated Sean.
1: <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.